A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. The Premier League All Access Podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. Stay ahead of all the big games in the best league in the world, the Premier League. With the latest odds, form guides, expert opinions and more. The fans are the players at Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at ladbrokes.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Hello and welcome to Premier League All Access with me, Sam Matterface. Alongside me, as always, Talk Sports Chief Football Correspondent Alex Crook. And we also have with us the former Chelsea Benfica and West Ham pin-up Scott Minto. Here's, here's what's coming up on the show. Look, this is the perfect opportunity for Gareth to, to really try and experiment. And, and up until now, I felt he could have done in other games. Let's be honest. Harry Maguire, if he's fit will start for England at the Euros. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Gareth will point to the fact that he's never let England down at a major tournament. I don't care for Manchester United, but I'm angry on their behalf. It's disgraceful. How on earth can you get one of, if not the biggest club in the world, and the stadium and, and all the history and tradition they've got with it, and yet they don't meet the requirement? What you got there was the sort of hardcore England fans, the ones who are genuinely there for the football, not for, you know... The, the sideshows that go with it and, and, you know, just to try and cause trouble and get themselves so smashed they don't remember it the next day. He, he was the best referee in the world. You know, he was a Champions League and a World Cup final referee, so he was seen as the best in the world. But that doesn't mean to say that he's going to be the best at, you know, be, do, having a job like this and also communicating in the way that he does. Is he the greatest player ever to play for Chelsea or Chelsea's greatest ever player? Now, I think it's a difficult one to say Chelsea's greatest ever player, but you can definitely have an argument of the greatest player ever, or certainly the most talented player. You right, Scotty? I'm good, mate. How are you? Yeah, we're good, thank you. Um, Crook and I have spent a lot of time together this week, so yeah. uh, it's nice to have you here to break it up because he's got a little bit cocky as, uh, as the week has gone on. Not true. It is true. Well, um, I also hear that one, you had to sort of, you know, make him professional again. You're tucked up in bed ready to, to prepare for the White and Jordan show. No, no, he, no. He's out in the town no. trying to... What were you doing, Crookie, again? He's playing in the Paul League. For first, first match of the season. Yeah, it was important to be there. And, uh, yeah, we we beat the favourites for the title. So, good stuff. Wow. Wow. You're the Arsenal now, then, aren't you? Did you... Uh, did, how did you get on? Did you clear at the Reds? Were you Reds or, or Yellows? What were you playing, Paul? You screwed back I was. the black away nicely. I, I finished the black quite nicely. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Little fist bump. He ate it. Well, you, are you like the, the... Out of the seven people that are in your team, are you the worst one? I mean... Uh, no, there is somebody with a, a lower win percentage than me, but I'm, I'm new to it. I'm new to it. I'm new to it. <laughs> oh, Learning dear. the tricks of the trade. Do you know he plays in every single... He plays for his pub at everything, right? He can't play cricket, but he, he's in the cricket team. Um, he's, he's, he can't play pool, but he's in the pool team because he just likes the social, don't you? He's, he's on every golf trip as well, especially to Portugal. <laughs> and he can't play golf either. <laughs> Jack of all trades. Although I've heard he's a good swinger. Uh, right, OK, coming up this week, the international break is underway. Uh, let's see what happens with England. They've got a double header. The Wompies down the left channel, cuts in on his right foot, skips past two times, his right foot, he draws it off the It's another brilliant Ollie Watkins goal. He is in good form. He's obviously coming in on a high. He's still going, Sterling! He's 
a brilliant goal for Chelsea. He just rolled it into the bottom corner. As I said, we've been happy with the wide players and the performances in the last four four games in particular. He is determined that his international career isn't over, but he's running out of time. Over the years, we've always had this, that the media thinks it's going to pick the England squad. He's the manager, he should pick it, and then he should live and die by decision. Shoot with a header, lovely header, and it's in at the far post, Australia lead by a goal to nil. Raspadori on the edge of the penalty area, opens up the angle, right foot shot, into the bottom right hand corner, and Italy lead England by a goal to nil. Now the level that we're performing at, the trophies that the players have won with their clubs, the big nights we've been through, I think we have to accept that pressure more now. England-Australia is Friday night. Will we see any experimentation from Southgate? And is, is, there, is there a point to that at this stage? Well, the point to it is, is keeping the, the, the top players fit for the big game against Italy, when obviously they have the chance to secure qualification and I think an opportunity to to test out some of those players who, who haven't had the opportunity people like Eddie and Ketia I think will be chomping at the bit to start this game we heard from Mark Gahey when we were covering for Jim and Simon on Wednesday and he sounded like he was keen to get some minutes under his belt as well someone like Conor Gallagher is used to coming on as a sort of impact sub for England he might get a start I think he I think he will experiment in this is game Is there a possibility that they might do something at left back on Friday night bearing in mind that left back is a real problem area for them with both Chilwell and Shaw out of the picture Scott Well I'm, I'm waiting I've got the phone next to me just seeing if Gareth wants to <laughs> you know <laughs> Apparently he's called up Bernardo Silva first though mate <laughs> Yeah it's, and It's the same as when Scott that. was a player that phone never rang from an England manager unfortunately <laughs> one manager I think it rang a couple of times didn't it well that's right you know under 18 so Bobby Robson waited for me after a game don't to talk about it don't want to bore the, the listeners here but um, world under 20 world cup as well but we'll move swiftly on um, will he do something yeah he kind of has to doesn't he I mean look this is the perfect opportunity for Gareth to to really try and experiment and and up until now I felt he could have done in other games um, and certainly in the summer I think he could have done as well now is there's no real excuse. You've got the big game coming up, um, you know, in in the on the horizon. You've got a match that doesn't really matter. So what a fantastic opportunity! And I'm not just looking at left back. I mean, I, you talk about Eddie and Ketty. I'd like to see Ollie Watkins um, get a start and actually see who's going to be second to Harry Kane if he does get injured. I'd like to see Trent given another go in midfield. You know, I'd like to see Aaron Ramsdale sort of feel what it's like to to play a game again. And and at left back, play Levi Colwell. He's been doing well enough for for Chelsea. Give him a go. Uh, but I do think Lewis Dunk for me is is the, almost the guy if John Stones isn't around. I know Stones is is is, is back in the the squad, but I just feel save him and Harry Maguire for the Italy game. And there's a there's enough good players there without saying it's a second string England to just to see how they'd react in an English shirt. Trent will get a go in midfield, won't he? Because actually, when you look at the squad list that was called up, he is published as a midfielder now for England. That's twice in a row that that's happened. Mm. Yeah, it's an interesting change from, from Gareth Southgate, but obviously he did it to to good effect previously for England. Uh, another opportunity to get him used to that position. I wouldn't have thought that John Stones would play any part in this game, surely having only made his not the Australian Premier one. League appearance of the season. He'll be back for Italy, though. Against you Arsenal, you'd have thought they'll keep him in storage for Italy, yeah. Yeah, and it is really important, isn't it, to sort of make sure that you've got uh, a squad that's fit and raring to go. That Italy game is the key one. Not that England are in much danger of not qualifying, but should they go into that game 
with Malta being beaten by Italy at the weekend, which is probably more than likely, then they're in the situation where they almost have to get something out of it to ensure that they're going to finish top of the group. I think they'll, they'll be fine, but that that result in Ukraine just sort of just taken the edge off of what had been a sort of seamless set of qualification results up until that point. Yeah, but it, not, it might not be a bad thing in the long run because it just brings their feet back to the ground. It, Keeps them honest. Yeah, it, it was a bit too easy until that point. Obviously, they've got the psychological blow having already gone to Italy in the first game of the group and, and won quite impressively. I'd make them favourites f- for uh, a double over Italy. Well, they I, are I, don't, I, don't, I don't think this is a vintage Italian side. And I guess it's an opportunity for Gareth Southgate, the, the stick that a lot of people used to beat him with, is they don't beat the you know, the top nations. I don't think Italy are a top nation, but they're still seen as a scalp. And this is an opportunity for him to, to claim that scalp. Well, one player who definitely will be involved over the course of the week, and maybe twice, not just the once, is Harry Maguire. He says he wants to uh, stay and fight and win his place back at Manchester United in a wide ranging press, uh, press conference this week. He can uh, contribute to a debate debate on a lot of different things but he admits he may have to move if the current situation doesn't change I believe in my ability and what I've done in my in my career as every player should every player should who's on the bench should believe that they should be starting um, otherwise they won't be playing at a high level so so I'm no different listen it's been tough I, I want to play games I want to be I want to feel important to the club and I want to feel important to, to the rest of the team um, at the moment I haven't been playing nowhere near as much as I'd like. It's it's the bottom line of it, and I just got to make sure that I'm ready to, to 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 take the opportunities when they come along. I mean, I'm not going to sit here all my life and, and and play once every month. And if if it carries on, then I'm sure myself and the club will sit down and and have a chat about things. But honestly, at the moment, I'm fully focused on the two games for England, two big games, and then I'm fully focused on on, on fighting and trying to get back my my place at Manchester United and helping the team um, climb up the league. Uh, to where we should be. Scott, what do you think about Harry Maguire? He said that there was never really a deal as close as people thought for the West Ham United move in the summer, but he is obviously entertaining the thought of, of moving away from Manchester United if he can't play minutes. Minutes are important, he said. No, absolutely. And I, I think he's going to say that, isn't he? And and, and I listened to you too um, with Danny as well and, and, and that interview um, on the White and Jordan show. And he's not going to say, yeah, I was really close. I wanted to go, but it just fell at the last. Look, the bottom line is there's only so much. And I'm a, I'm a fan of Harry Maguire. I know Crookie hasn't been. Um, I do think we don't need to go down the route of whether he's got too much stick on social media. Yes, I think there has been a lot of constructive stuff. He's not the most, uh, the sort of number one England centre-half, but he's never let England down. And he's been absolutely superb. And I've said to you guys before, can you imagine walking out to an England game in a World Cup or a Euros thinking that, that half of your country are actually waiting for you to fail? So mentally, I've got nothing but the total respect for him. But he cannot go the whole season, which would be practically two seasons, of not being a regular first team for Manchester United or in the Premier League and expect to play in the Euros. He's done it before previous um, tournaments where he's been out for a long time. He's been injured. He's come in. He's been exceptional. And quite often he's been been in, in team with the tournaments. But it's just too much to ask. And I also think it's a little bit unfair for Gareth to keep on picking him, knowing that if that mistake does come, people are going to jump down his throat. So I hope in January, either one, he gets back in the Manchester United team or two, he, he makes a, a move elsewhere. If he doesn't get back in the Manchester United team on a regular basis, is it a little bit unfair to Colwell, Dunn, Gerhi uh, and Stones, Tamori even, 
that he continues to be the first choice centre back, bearing in mind Gurhi, for example, is playing very well for his club. Um, Dunk is playing very well at the top end of the Premier League for a club that play progressive football and play massive games. I think it is. And if I was one of those players, I would feel aggrieved. But let's be honest Harry Maguire, if he's fit, will start for England at the Euros. I don't think there's any doubt about that. Gareth will point to the fact that he's never let England down at a major tournament. Is that also because he's built his defence around Harry Maguire? And actually, ultimately, if you're an international manager, you don't get much time with players. So changing vital components is difficult at this stage if you're going to try and win a major tournament. Yeah, and his partnership with, with John Stones has been one of the fulcrums for England being so successful. So... I think in some ways he's damned if he does, damned if he doesn't. If he takes Maguire out of the firing line and one of those relatively inexperienced players comes in at a major tournament and makes a mistake, then Gareth Southgate will be criticised for that. If he sticks with Maguire and, and he costs England in a tournament, then he's going to be criticised for that as well. I, I, I'm sure conversations between Gareth and Harry Maguire have taken place where Gareth Southgate is actively encouraging Maguire to leave Manchester United and go and play regular first-team football because any international manager would rather have their players playing week in, week out, fully up to speed than just coming in sparingly and maybe being a little bit undercooked. Interesting. Uh, We'll see what happens with him. One man who, uh, of course, it could have been West Ham that he was playing for at this moment in time, but isn't. One man who is playing for West Ham is Jared Bowen. He's extended his stay in the last week at West Ham United. In fact, not only has he extended his stay, he signed a huge bumper contract for seven years. This is what he had to say. Like I said the other day after I signed, it was that that club gave me the opportunity that, you know, no, I wouldn't be sat here without this club. Um, so it's only right for me that, you know, I want to pledge my career there um, and pledge my future there. So happy to get it all done. Um, you know, it's been it's been stressful getting it done. But, you know, now it's now it's all done. I can sit back and say, you know, I'm, I'm here and I'm happy. Well, he says he feels at home at the club, or you would do if you had a seven-year contract with no release clause and getting paid relatively well. I mean, this is, I mean, this is terrific for him, and I suppose it's a reward for his climb up the pyramid, Scott. Oh, he's absolutely earned the right for this, Sam. He really has. And and normally, and I think I've said before when we've been talking about Chelsea, if I'm in my early twenties, I, I honestly don't want to sign a seven-year contract because it takes up me up probably the, up to the best years. But he's twenty-six now, so that takes him to to thirty-three. And quite often when teams, when players hit 30, teams don't want to know them. He's been superb. When you think about his journey, when he's come through from sort of non-league, and I remember covering it at Hull as well in the championship. And, you know, it, it wasn't a team that was regularly going for, for promotion. He was regularly scoring goals. And we're saying, why are Premier League teams not coming in for him? And I think it was almost a question of a bit of desperation of where West Ham were, thinking we need to try and take a bit of a gamble here. Boy, does it look like an absolute snip. He's been superb. You know, his family life, obviously, his, his, his partner, his, you know, and, and, and her old man as well, big West Ham fans, celebrity people. It just fits. And he's an absolute West Ham legend for what he did in Prague. But not just that as well. He's scoring regular goals. And I'll tell you what the people don't always sort of notice is that I think he's only missed two league games since the start of the 2021 season He's durable, so if you yeah. know yeah if you know you can rely on someone to be fit first and foremost and he's scoring those goals it's just perfect there's no point in having a player who's brilliant but is is on the on the injury bench half the time do you think david moyes has improved him as a player i think he's given him the ability to go out and be as good as he as he can be and and also the sort of similar to how he was at hull 
I think, you know, on that right hand side, whether it's a 4-2-3-1 or 4-3-3, whether it's a, you know, well, I suppose with a 3-5-2, it's a little bit different. He plays as a second striker. I don't see him as a striker. Crookie, we covered mm-hmm. the game um, last week at Freiburg and, you know, he's not a striker. He's better off coming in off the right on his left foot. But he works so hard for the team defensively. He's a nightmare for the left back offensively. I, I just, you've got to give David Moyes a lot of credit. But I think ultimately it's always down to the player. And I, I, he's come in, question marks are against him. Okay, you, you score goals in the championship. Can you score goals in the Premier League? You know, he's been one of West Ham's best players, only just behind Declan Rice. Okay, uh, let's move on from England. They play Australia live on Friday night on Talk Sport, and their next game against Italy is also live on the network. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. There's a lot more to those 90 minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Ladbrokes. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org. T's and C's apply. Well, the good news that came out this week was that England and Ireland are uh, going to be the hosts of Euro 2028. Essentially, everybody else pulled out so they were always going to get it Crook said this great big thing in last week and he was like oh yeah they're going to they're get it next week and I was like yeah we, we know this since July and he's like oh don't be a, like poo-pooing this decision and then when it actually was announced on, uh, on Wednesday or was it Tuesday? Tuesday I was very excited about it because I thought the idea of a home tournament is quite an exciting thing Scott you, you were in England in Euro 96 you were around people who were playing in that tournament it was a huge deal wasn't it and it sort of kicked football on further Sam you're not going to believe this I couldn't have been further away from England during Euro 96 I had an Australian girlfriend at the time who had been <laughs> on at me to say come on you got to come and meet the family so what did I do I, w- I went to Australia for the whole of Euro 96 and it's with our little the summer family, there well, it, it, let me tell you, it was it was nice, but I had one of the coldest nights ever because they don't really have heating in Australia. But anyway, that's another uh, thing. You should have cuddled I, up to your girlfriend. Well, that's what I try to do, but <laughs> cold toes don't work. Um, it was I, I, from afar. It just looked, and I, I even now I'm I'm absolutely gutted I missed it 
because the feeling of it, and obviously I was watching it and watching it live, but I knew what I was missing out on. I knew the players who were playing and I knew the players, you know, play against them. So to feel what they were doing and growing through a tournament and not just a tournament, but a home tournament and feeling that semi-final, if we'd have, whoever was going to win that semi-final was going to win the Euro. So we were so close, you know, a couple of inches of Gaza's stud Mm. um, was just incredible. And look, again, I've heard you two talk about it and, from from a from an England point of view, the Euro twenty or twenty one was was at Wembley, so it was kind of London, but it wasn't around the country and it wasn't around the UK and it wasn't around Ireland as well. Yeah, because so. it wasn't like they had like I don't know the Dutch against um, whoever Czech Republic at Nottingham Forest ground, like it was Absolutely. back in the day. What you know, this is all over the country and there's loads of different teams being there. Germany against Holland might well be at the new Brownlee Moore Dock Stadium or something like that. That's the kind of thing we didn't have. And those are the games, actually, sometimes when you're a kid that you get really into because it just happens to be around the corner from you. Yeah, and if you look back to some of my most iconic moments as a, as a child were from Euro 96, and not necessarily the England games. I mean, listen, England-Holland, for me, still stands out. It's the best night. Probably is the best England game I've ever seen. But Carol Paborski's goal that got him the move to Terrific, Manchester yeah. United. Davos, Suker, do you remember him lobbing yeah. Peter Schmeichel? I think that was at the city ground, actually, potentially. So it's, it's going to be fantastic and it's brilliant for uh, the next generation. You know, pe- the, the people who, like us, will be teenagers watching the tournament, young kids, and, and really getting hooked on football. I think it's fabulous and it's going to be great for the economy and it just gives everybody a boost at a time when there's a lot of depressing things going on. In the yeah, world. and there was a real difference, I think, in terms of like the timing. I do hope that the world is in a much better place than it, it was in 2021. We were coming out of a period where everyone had been locked up for ages. Even the first few matches at Wembley were restricted in terms of capacity. The amount of people you could have was was not. It wasn't full stadiums. I mean, you didn't get a full stadium until the semi-finals. No, and I covered Scotland at Hamden. You know, and the atmosphere was fabulous, but obviously it was nowhere near full. So again, if we get Scotland qualifying, we get Wales qualifying, we get the two islands qualifying, we get full stadiums, and they're, they're playing at home. I think it's going to be brilliant. What do you make of the choice of stadiums? I, I think they're quite well sort of geographically split. Liverpool couldn't host um, because the dimensions of their football pitch isn't big enough which is weird but it's true um, at Old Trafford because they couldn't promise that it would be up to scratch by it's the, then it's the Glazers fault go on go on Crookie <laughs> it's embarrassing it's embarrassing that for is, Manchester that is embarrassing still one it, of the most it, iconic venues in the world and it's not going to be used at a home European Championship the Glazers cr- should be ashamed of themselves but I'm, Crookie, sure, I'm sure they'll be real gutted about it no just just on top of that and he's shaking I don't his head you should see how angry he is about it no, do, do you know what? I, I I I don't care for Manchester United, but I'm angry on their behalf. It's disgraceful. How on earth can you get one of, if not the biggest club in the world, and the stadium and and all the history and tradition they've got with it, and yet they don't meet the requirements? It's disgraceful, disgusting. I, I I'm. I'm getting angry on, on Crookie's behalf. And as I say, I don't even care for Man U. Yeah, there is going to be a game in Manchester, uh, though, because the Etihad Stadium will be up to speed. They might even extend it between now and then. They're very good at just adding little bits and pieces on it to expand Where would you rather play? <laughs> You're just getting wound up. Um, don't, don't, listen, it's not about... Don't be parochial. Think about just the, the people. 
everyone can get there. That's the most important thing. So James's Park is going to be bigger as well by then. And Aston Villa are doing a great job. They've got this brilliant plan where they're going to wrap the North Stand around the Trinity Road Stand. So that's going to be a lot bigger. They take the capacity well up over 50,000. And then they've got this huge fan zone, which is going to be right next to the stadium. They're also working with sort of the local council to make sure that Witten Station's upgraded so they can get people in and out. It's going to be... I think it's great that it also does that. Do you know what I mean? Improves that the areas and the stadiums get upgraded. Are Spurs going to improve their infrastructure? Well, that's a great point, actually, because... Tottenham have got the best stadium arguably in the world in terms of football stadiums I think it's, it's the best one there is maybe at, at Atlanta in um, um, Georgia is is comparable but this stadium is off the charts right but getting there and getting back is a nightmare and it usually involves a mile and a half walk to the tube station doesn't it yeah. Yeah. so uh, maybe they, they've got Sorry, to do just- something there Sam, sorry, just just one thing as well, the, and the downside to it. You know, I always try and turn a negative into a positive. I'm, I'm almost doing the opposite no, I'm not, here. You're not going to be down doom monger, are you? Well, what what does it mean in terms of England possibly hosting a World Cup? Yeah, it's not going to happen. Yeah, it's a good does point. it not mean anything? It's not going to happen. It, I, I, and I find that a crying shame when you think about you know the USA and and Mexico and I don't know off the top of my head. You know, I'm sure there's been more than one, but it's obviously been plenty since '66. You know, we've got the best, I don't want to be sort of um, jingoistic about it, but the, the, the best league in, in world football, certainly the best infrastructure. And yet we are somehow not given the ability to host the World Cup. I, I, I get the go to, to, to different countries that haven't had it, but you can still bounce back and go to the, the one that's going to be up there with the very best. I'm, I'm disappointed about Do that. Do you know what? I think there's a couple of things. And one of them is about the... The rules regarding tax exemptions and visa requirements, I think if you speak to or look at the bid documents for the the FIFA, uh, the pamphlet for the the 2030 and 2034 World Cups, you'll see that there has to be carve-outs. I'm not necessarily sure that that is very easy to get through in a short space of time. So, for example, the 2034 World Cup, the the deadline for bids is the end of the month or something, right? They only announced it in um, mm. the first of October. That's because they're going to give it to Saudi Arabia. Yeah, but the reason yeah. the reason it's going to be difficult for Australia to bid is basically because they're a democracy and they have to go through a legal process to like come up with these to accept these tax exemptions. They're not going to be able to do that in a month, right? So it's going to be impossible for them to be able to to uh, to get that legislation in place so that they can formally submit a bid. That's going to be difficult. well. It's designed to fail them, it, of isn't it? it? Yeah, they've yeah. made it. They made the decision. It's eleven years away, and we're, and we yet we're only going to give you a month to sort this out. Yeah, they, and they want exactly. That's exactly it. And they want to be able to take it to places where they are going to get those carve outs. Obviously, Portugal and Spain have somehow come up with it with Morocco as well to be able to do that. Um, it's going to happen in uh, 2026 and it's going to happen in 2034 where it goes after that because I imagine and so you've gone we haven't had one on the North Pole yet have we should we, should we give that a go FIFA <laughs> but apparently they they do quite good tax carve outs <laughs> to be fair I'm, I'm waiting for the the uh, the next World Cup in the Cayman Islands because uh, apparently the tax legislation is pretty good well you've got um, a few bank accounts there haven't you <laughs> I haven't but uh, I know a man who has um, only two spots reserved for the host nations though which means that Everyone's got to go through qualification. I'm not too surprised by this, right? Because England will feel as if they can get qualified. They will. Scotland will feel as if they can get qualified. On current form. 
Wales have qualified for a Euros before and so have Northern Ireland. Long time since the Republic were at a major tournament, isn't it? 2016. Last time I followed them around that time. It was great, great fun. So there are two spots for hosts. So you could do this. I mean, I don't know if this is right, but I think they're going to do this thing where everyone tries to qualify and then hope that at least three get there so they can give the two places to somebody, someone who doesn't make it. Be a real shame, wouldn't it? But, you know, Northern Ireland probably look the most vulnerable in terms of not qualifying because there's a massive rebuild to be done there. Yeah, but it's a long time, so they have to start it, qualifying. It is a long time, but if there were games in uh, Belfast, and of course that stadium's not even really started to be built yet, and Northern Ireland weren't part of the party, that would be a big blow. Uh, Scott, what do you think about uh, qualification? No, no, I agree. I mean, first of all, just from an England point of view, I think even if we held a tournament you know, every two years, we should have to qualify for it. I think the almost the... Not don't use the word laziness, but the, the lack of competitive edge you have in just friendlies for two years. Look I at think Germany. Absolutely. Absolutely. So I think from an England point of view, we should always um, qualify, whether we host or not, or try to qualify. And if we don't, then the manager should go because, you know, we, we are good enough. I, I think going to the other end of it. Yeah, absolutely. It would be, be a crying shame if any of the other home nation countries, um, Ireland, uh, don't qualify. I think sometimes they make it difficult to not qualify, but at the same time, obviously, we're seeing countries that are, still aren't. So, look, I, I think we've got three places where you, they should do. England should do it. Scotland should do it. I think Wales will pick up. So I think we'll all be okay, but it would be an absolute crying shame, even if just one of the countries wasn't actually participating in it. Not sure that this was certain that England were going to get to a major tournament after what happened at no. Euro 2020. Um, we spoke to the Digital Culture, Media and Sport Secretary of State earlier in the week, Lucy Fraser, and she said why. It was never certain that we would get this. The UK has put in, the UK and Ireland have put in a really strong bid, backed by the government, backed by both me and the Prime Minister. Um, you know, I, I met uh, the President of UEFA and we've put together a really, really strong bid to get this over the line. And the FA have done a significant amount of work. You know, obviously, you mentioned that there were issues in Wembley some years ago, but the FA have done a significant amount of work, invested significantly in the stadium to make sure that we won't see a repeat of those incidents. Uh, it was never certain until today uh, that we were going to get it. So I'm really, really, really excited and pleased uh, that that information is being confirmed today. Well, they have spent quite a lot of money, the FA, and you can understand it. They had to secure Wembley. They had to make sure that they know that there isn't going to be a repeat of what happened uh, the last time. Um, is it also incumbent on the fans to ensure that they don't find themselves in a, a situation like we had back in Euro 2020? Well, yeah. that's always the case. It, you know, always you should rely on the fans or you should want the fans to take responsibility, but you should also um, have that mentality that some aren't. So actually the real res responsibilities to everyone, but it's without a doubt the authorities. You know, I think UEFA should have done uh, a lot better, you know, and not just in terms of Wembley and, and that final, but also the Champions League finals. You know, I think the delegation they, they don't have out and overseeing everything, the police, needs to be a lot better. There's been more than one now under the umbrella of, of, of UEFA. So they need to step up. And, it, and it's, it, it starts with them. They're the management. They're the ones who's outsourcing different things. Yes, you know, I believe that after what happened... You know, the the English authorities will make sure it doesn't happen. But you have to assume there will be some idiots sometimes. 
So, uh, you know, it, it's got to be the English authorities, but ultimately the buck stops with the UEFA. And I think they've failed on several occasions so far. So I'm going to be interested to see what happens. I was talking to an England international over the last couple of weeks who said the England games are always the same. They're always drink and drug fueled, And that is a major problem, isn't it? At uh, not just England games, but at major sporting events on those big days. And, and drugs have become a real problem in and around the sport. That was what was so refreshing about Qatar, to be honest. As you know, I spent most of the England games amongst the England supporters, both in the build-up You were in the hospitality. No, I wasn't. For the England games, I was you, behind the goal. Did you, did you went in the hospitality more than you He was with Adidas all the time. He uh, was, he uh, was. He's no, Mr Adidas. You should for, see him now. He's wearing a shell suit. Not for a single <laughs> England game. But my point is that what you got there was the sort of hardcore England fans, the ones who were genuinely there for the football, not for... You know the, the sideshows that go with it, and, and you know just to try and cause trouble and get themselves so smashed they don't remember it the next day. I think it was similar in Russia uh, when you were over there. I was lucky actually. I did, I did quite a lot of England games as a support behind the goal. Yeah, yeah. So there you go. Uh, were you in hospitality? I never went to one hospitality game in Russia. No, no, not even the semi-final. Nope. Okay, uh, but my point is that yeah, thanks for asking. It, it is a problem. semi-final. I was behind the goal in my 1982 uh, England red shirt. There you go. Um, but you're right. I think certainly the, the drug element, it's not so much the booze. I think it is the, the drug. And I think the authorities have got to do something to clamp down on that and make sure that we don't get repeated. How happens. do you sort that, Scott? Sam, do, do you know what? Um, I, I'm all for the world being a better place. And I think the fact that we can, you know, we've just had World Mental Health Day and, and, and we should always promote to to help each other and, and look at someone if they look a bit worried and are you OK and this and that. I just think a part of society has gone too far the other way in terms of Qatar and Russia and what and no way am I promoting anything that they they that they're kind of doing on different levels but you know the zero tolerance with them yeah this yeah. this is not an advert for authoritarianism is it no, no but you you they have to know people have to know and it has to be getting out that if anything happens and around stadiums you're going to be put in jail for a month or something like that yeah. and and you know that there needs to be a real threat that if these people are going to, because at the moment they just think they can do what they want and they're going to get a little slap on the wrist, you know, don't do that again. And then they, they come out and then 24 hours later, they're still at home. Is that not an so, overreaction I, to throw someone in jail or threaten to throw someone in jail? Can't we just educate people and say, hold on, just, just so you know, this is not the right thing to do and discourage yeah, that, that sort of behaviour? That's going down well at the moment, isn't it, Sam? Um, you know, the, the education, again, I'm all for it, but you can educate and say, but if you don't do what we're trying to educate you to do, there's this. So actually, we're only going to do this if you do that. So, you know, it, it it kind of makes perfect sense for me to say, don't be an idiot, have fun, shout for your team. But if you overstep this line, this will happen. And you have no complaints if it does happen, because we've told you if you overstep the line, it will happen. Okay, let's move on to. Um, let's, I was going to say someone else who overstepped the line this week, but that's not fair, is it? Uh, did probably understepped the line, and that is uh, VAR, because Howard Webb has been speaking quite uh, intimately about some of the mistakes that have been made with the technology in the Premier League. Did you watch the uh, mic'd up show, Scott? I watched um, a seven-minute version of it. Oh, you watched the clip about the Luis Diaz goal, did you? Yes. Yeah, it was interesting. I thought, I listen, I was crooked abandoned me on uh, 
Tuesday night. So you I was could, on my own. You could have come to the pool match. No, I didn't want to. I had better things to do, like <laughs> watch this whole episode of Mic'd Up with uh, Michael Owen and Howard Webb. And I thought, actually, what was really good about it was the explanations of the laws and why things had happened. I like that. I do think that there was an opportunity missed by Howard Webb when he sort of said, you know, I think Danny Murphy sort of articulated this on the show, that he could have come out and said, if they had gone beyond the protocol with the Luis Diaz goal, I would have supported them. But then that's opening it up to abuse further down the line. I think, actually... It is what it is. Okay, we can all moan about the fact that he wasn't asked any more pressing questions, but I like to hear what they've got to say about it because I want to be educated about the laws of the game. And I thought he came across quite well, really. He always does, to be fair, Howard Webb. It's difficult because, obviously, there's been a lot of mistakes, high-profile mistakes that have happened on his watch, but to his credit, he's never tried to brush anything under the carpet. It was his idea... To, to host this mic'd up programme to try and give us a better insight into what happens in the VAR room. You noticed already that the conversations that were taking place this weekend amongst the VAR officials were probably more professional than the one that we were subjected to after that Liverpool-Tottenham game. So I think he wants to improve. He wants to raise the standard of officiating. He wants to cut out these mistakes and these embarrassing apologies that he's being forced to make week in, week out. So I think we've got to give him time and we have to give him credit he promised more transparency when he got the job and he's delivering on that. Yeah, and the, the communication I thought was really important, the way that that changed so much. There was such a stark contrast between the uh, game that the Liverpool goal was ruled out in and then the matches the following weekend, Scott. Yeah, and, and you know what? He he was the best referee in the world. You know, he was a Champions League and a World Cup final referee, so he was seen as the best in the world. But that doesn't mean to say that he's going to be the best at you know, be, do, having a job like this and also communicating in the way that he does. I, I couldn't be more impressed by him. And he must be, if he had any hair, wanted to pull it all out with some of the stuff that he sees. I mean, how do you foresee what happened in that game? You cannot. And now I, I do wish the question would have been asked because I did think it at the time when I was watching it. Well, what would you have done? Just simple question. What would you have done? And you know, if you if actually if you're in that sort of VAR, would you have told them to to stop? And now you're that you're the head of it all. Would you have backed them if they had have done? So maybe we'll never know. A, a question can still be asked about that. But absolutely, I think he's trying to communicate. And let's not forget, we always highlight the horror mistakes. And on this particular mistake, the the mistake was initially came from the referee's assistant that said it was offside and it wasn't. So if VAR wasn't around, then it still would have been the same decision. But it was horrendous mistake. I like him. I like everything about him. I think he exudes a bit of authority. He must be thinking behind the scenes, what on earth are you guys doing? But he's got to come out and try and put it in a professional way. You can't foresee something like that. He's trying to change things. And his hands are tied to a little little point as well, because the laws of the game are, Mm. are not down to him. So, but he can give a bit of flexibility. So, all it is is week by week, hopefully getting better and better. But VAR generally is still, for me, getting out much more positives and right decisions than wrong ones. I still think, though, and when someone turns around and says this, and they say this quite a lot, and Howard said it during the um, the, the Mic'd Up show, he said, uh, we'll, we'll have a look at the law and see if there's a little bit more we can do with our interpretation for what we want in the English game. I don't think that's right. I don't think it's right. I don't want to be governed by a different set of rules. I don't want players 
on a Saturday to be governed by an English interpretation of the law and then on Tuesday night go and play in the Champions League and be governed by a completely different interpretation of the law. I don't want our referees not selected for a World Cup, for example, or a European Championship, because they are operating at a different level to everybody else. I think getting Sam, the laws and their interpretations closer across the globe is a better way so that you don't have any misunderstandings. And I think a lot of the misunderstandings that we have about the law is born out of the fact that they are handled differently in different places. So what would you have done in that situation? Then? In what situation? Or of what happened with the Luis Diaz goal? Because going, going down that route is that the, the VAR, after making a horrendous mistake, did the right thing by saying we can't do anything. Yeah, I think there's an exceptional circumstance there and there is a little bit of a loophole. Well, then in the there's a nuance there exception. then, isn't there? Yeah, I think they could have exploited that, that that exceptional circumstance in which they could turn around and say, hold on a second, that's not right. That's that's not different interpretation from one country to the next. That's, that's basically going, okay, let's do the right thing. Whereas... What he was talking about in that circumstance, when he was talking about what we want in terms of wiggle room, he was talking about handball. And I don't want handball to be different one day to another. Because I think if you do that, you're basically confusing what already is a very confusing law. And there's a little bit of English arrogance about that as well, isn't there, if we if we try and make our own version of the law. So I'm probably more inclined to agree with Sam on this one. Um, in terms of um, other big news from uh, football this week, sad news, really, is we... As in Edin Hazard retired from football. Um, mm. A lot of people, I think, don't remember how good he was. And that's because ever since he went to Real Madrid, he's literally done nothing really, has he? I mean, he's hardly played, hardly featured, certainly hasn't produced any iconic moments, which he certainly did during his time with Chelsea. He was with Chelsea 2012 to 2019, two league championships. He was player of the year. He won the Europa League. He was he, he was just terrific. He produced some brilliant moments, didn't he? How good was he, Scott? Do you know what? He was absolutely sensational. And I again, I heard I listen to you two far too much. I really do. But I listened to you two <laughs> talk about it, and um, and I texted you in, didn't I? That I actually presented on the game where he came off the bench at Anfield and basically said, "Look, don't want pens on this. Let me just win the game. Just give me the ball. I might lend it to you, but just give it me back." And that goal he scored was. Just sensational. I had oh, Jody Morris with me. Yeah, I had Jody Morris with me as um uh, as a guest. I think Jamie Carragher was was the Liverpool one, but Jody was definitely the the, the Chelsea one. And you know, you and I have both a, an unbelievable feeling towards Gianfranco Zola, and I always say he's the best player I've played with. And I said to Jody, um, "Look, what wh- what do you think? Is he is he better?" And he and he said, "I think he's better." Because actually he can pick the ball up in deeper situations and run with it and go past players that even Gianfranco couldn't do. So then you're looking at really, you're saying, is he the greatest player ever to play for Chelsea or Chelsea's greatest ever player? Now, I think it's a difficult one to say Chelsea's greatest ever player, but you can definitely have an argument of the greatest player ever, to, or certainly the most talented player to play for the club because he was just sensational. And to do it in the way that he lived his lifestyle, which has br- basically brought it to an end, yeah. but also quicker than than you would have wanted. But also at the same time, by having that mentality meant he could go out and do what he did in the first place. I, I, so 
I told this great story um, the other day when I was talking about him because a lot of people always ask, you know, why has his career come to an end? And, it, you know, this doesn't sum it up, but it sort of does sum it up. I did a show with him from Cobham live and we uh, we, we sort of walked around the, 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 the training ground and we went to various different rooms, boot room, changing room, different places, bars, all like a canteen, then downstairs into the gym. And in each different venue, we met a different player. So it was Willian in one room, it was Ollie Giroud in another, and it was Giroud when we went into the gym almost. We walked in, me and him. It's like a rubbish version of Pop Up Pirate. Do you remember that game? Why is it Pop Up Pirate? Well, people popping up in different places. They were already there. Uh, anyway, so we walked down into the, the gym and Ollie Giroud was sitting on a bench and we went and sat next to him. And as me and Edin sat down... O- Ollie, sorry, Ollie. Yeah. Ollie Giroud. Okay. Uh, Ollie turned around to, to Edin Hazard and then went, Edin, this is the gym. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> At which point I said... What have you never been in here before? He said, I'd never come in here. Yeah. I said, Why? And he just rubbed his thighs, looked at me, and went, It's all in the jeans. <laughs> and that was it. And then later that day, we're then talking about what we were doing later on the day. And he said, What are you doing? He said, I'm going back for dinner. You want to come? I said, What are you having? And he said, Fritz. <laughs> You know, a couple of beers. I went, oh, okay, all right. <laughs> Why not? Why not? But you know what? She gets a lot of stick, actually, for, for um, probably buying players rather than selling, but to get the money that Marina Granisky got for Eden yeah. Hazard has to go down she's as a one of her greatest ever I triumphs. I can't believe she's not in football. How much did she sell Oscar for? Yeah. My yes. God. Yes. She's done a brilliant job getting people. Eden Hazard had one... He had a, a dodgy ankle at that stage, didn't they? Didn't they? Oh, yeah. Well, Hazard had one year left in his contract as well. So even if it was three years left, that was still a good price at the time. But one year left when he was definitely going to go at some point, you know, on a free 12 months later was just sensational. Terrific, terrific player. Uh, Thank you very much, Scott. Uh, Appreciate that. And uh, Crookie, see you again over... Well, you're with me on White and Jordan until Friday. Um, We'll do another podcast next week when we're sort of looking at the Italy game and reviewing what happened against Australia. And then we'll do a big preview to the weekend, the return of the Premier League after that. Scott, thank you very much. Spain, Scotland live on TalkSport 2 on Thursday night. England, Australia live on Friday the 13th. Hopefully, nothing spooky happens. The Premier League All Access podcast is proud to be brought to you by Ladbrokes. The latest odds, we set them. Form guides, we've got them. Expert opinions, we share them. The best fans in the world deserve the best. Be match day ready before the whistle blows with Ladbrokes. Odds updates on Talk Sport with Ladbrokes. Are you in? Let's go. Play at labrooks.com, 18 plus, be gambleaware.org, T's and C's apply.